Hello and welcome to Glover's Talk, Somerset Live's weekly podcast covering all things Yeovil Town Football Club. The last week has been a pretty mixed one if you're a Yeovil Town fan, with last Saturday seeing a disappointing 3-0 home defeat to promotion-chasing Luton Town in a game that saw Darren Wayside end with just nine men on the field. But Tuesday was a much better game for the Glovers, with them snatching a late 2-2 draw at Swindon Town with two spectacular goals from Lewis Wing and Alex Fisher rescuing the Glovers a point that could prove very, very crucial in the final League 2 table come the end of the season. So we're going to have all that to talk about and we've got much more with a visit of Wickham Wanderers to Hewish Park on Saturday as well as an interview with Bevis Mugabe and generally just more Yeovil Town discussion with plenty going on as the season enters its final few weeks. Joining me again this week is our regular panellist, columnist, pundit, expert and what you want to call him, Mike Taylor. Hello. And... Joining us again this week is Ollie Marsh, Yeovil Town supporter. Hello. How are you both guys? Are you all good and ready I'm to go? I'm glad it's a Friday and we're going towards the weekend, you yeah. know. That's a good little segue for Mike because, as I said, we are recording this on Friday, April the 13th. Unlucky day for some of you, but that's when we're recording it. So it's the day before Yeovil take on Wickham in their, I think it's third to last home game of the season. So we really are entering that final phase as we head into the final three weeks of the League Two season. So we're going to start off by discussing what happened on Tuesday night, where Yeovil went to Swindon, and for a large part of that game, looked like they were going to be heading for a second defeat in four days. But a good, you know, team effort, you know, they stuck in there well, and at the end of the game, they came out with a two-all draw, thanks to Alex Fisher's 89th-minute equaliser. So I'm going to come to you, Ollie, first of all, and just as a Yeovil Town fan, what do you think of Tuesday's result and the performance that went with it? Well, I think to, to come away with a point from Swindon Town, promotion tra- chasing Swindon Town, is a positive thing. And certainly from our last two away games against Coventry and Swindon, both big clubs, both big sides with big ambitions, to come away with four points from those two games, you couldn't really have asked for much more than that. And especially the performance itself at Swindon, I thought, was, uh, was very impressive. The fact that we... Went 2-1 down in the second half and was still able to come back was particularly pleasing just because, you know, you work so hard to get back into the game and you get that equaliser through that fantastic Lewis wing strike. As you said, it can be really disappointing to then uh, give away the lead or uh, for Swindon to retake the lead shortly after. And it was a bit of an unlucky goal as well with the with the deflection really uh, uh, giving the keeper no chance. So... To be able to keep our heads up and to be able to come away with something from the county ground was was very good. And as you say, Alex Fisher's goal was was fantastic as well. We've seen over the past few weeks, he's got four and four now, that he's a very, very good finisher. And for him to still be that sharp, even in the closing stages of the game, I think was was very impressive. I think you're absolutely right about Alex Fisher. I've been really impressed with him, particularly in the last few games. I think he is a striker. who he, He's got that... Uh, you, can, you can tell sometimes from a striker if they've got that instinct where, you know, the ball drop at their feet and he just knows where to find the net and how, and how to put it in the net. And, um, you know, it's a really good quality to have as a striker. And not, not every striker has that. You know, sometimes you, you have players who need three or four chances before they'll hit the target. But with Fisher, you know, he seems to be somebody who, you know, you, know, you can pretty, be pretty reliant on him. But if he puts the ball up in the area, then he will find the target with it. And the, the finish on Tuesday, I thought, you know, was exceptional the way that he just chested it down and hit it on the volley. Under the pressure, of course, of it being within the 89th minute, only two minutes plus injury time to go. You know, it was really one of those chances that he had to take that or Yeovil were going to leave that game empty-handed. So, mm. you know, to do that under that pressure was really, really pleasing. And um, 
I think he's been a really good addition. I think he's probably, you know, of all the January arrivals and all of them have made good impacts, but I think yeah. there's a real case to be made to say that Fisher has been the, probably the signing of that January transfer window. Mm. I agree, and especially because pretty much all of the goals that he's scored have been crucial goals. There was the away one at Colchester, which got us the three points. Obviously, he got us out of jail at Swindon by earning us a point. You could say that maybe uh, the result was already in the bag, uh, even without his his two goals at Coventry. But I think he really has had a huge impact on this game. And he has that experience as well. He's 27 years old now and he's played in different countries in uh, Belgium and Spain and Scotland. So you really sense that he's sort of the final product really now in his in his career. Yeah, and I think it's not just the, the ability that he has. I think he's also a very well-rounded character from the times I've spoken to him, been around him. You know, he's very, very well-spoken. You know, he's clearly he's got a lot of... Um, he, he's just one of those players who I think, you know, has a very positive influence on, on his teammates and other players in the dressing room. And I think that, you know, as far as recruitment goes, I think... One of the key strengths of Darren Way's management, particularly in the last year, has been the players he's been able to bring in. And I think Fisher is a shining example of that sort of player. Yeah. One other player I want to give you know a little bit of credit to for that equalising goal, which a bit of maybe went under the radar a little bit, was Omar Suwumni. And again, I thought this is a great tactical move by Darren Way to put Suwumni up as a striker in the final few minutes. You know, chase a game, try and get a point, and lo and behold, the long ball comes up, and it's Suwumni who heads on to Fisher to put it in. And Mike, I'm going to come to you. Yeah. In terms of the last few minutes, when you're chasing a game, mm. if you have somebody in defence, you can uh, you can put up front to you know mm. just to add a little bit of confusion in there for the opposition team. You know, it's a it's a key asset to be able to have somebody of yeah, that yeah. height and of that quality to be able to put up front. Yeah, it's fairly bluntly, Yes, um, I mean the fact that you know he you know he's a someone he's a, well, a striker come defender really isn't he? So it, it naturally he would be someone to sort of um, uh, help Fisher up there as well. And I think it was very um, important considering how good he is in the air to help out really. And um, he, yeah, he was a, a person in that equaliser and how well taken it was by Alex Fisher as well. Um, but it's good to see that, you know, he's at both ends of the pitch, not only in the defensive sense, the, um, you know, obviously one of the other's best uh, defenders, but in terms of the attacking sense, I think if he can get into the mix, I think he's, uh, he's, just shows his worth really and shows his worth as a player yeah and of course another player we have to mention because we were talking about him last week weren't we about you know the quality of having somebody who's not afraid to shoot from long distance and that's Lewis Wing and he came good again on Tuesday with a brilliant strike mm. from 25 yards out and actually the angle that's shown on the highlights for those of you who weren't at the game I think actually if you were watching it from the other side which is where I was sat and I think the Oval Town fans were sat as well I think it's even better from that side because it, you're really the way he picked it up and then he hit it it almost just swerves in and it hits the mm. side netting a really it's a, really it's a nice quality stroke as well yeah I mean it's, it's it's great to see a player with that locker that's in his locker really and um, and I think that you can you need I think you need um, players in your team who have can score different sorts of goals you know Alex Fisher's on these great great close range you've got Wing who's you know brilliant obviously uh, getting long distance strikes and you know it's and I think that bodes well for the overtime not only this season but if they can retain these players um, yeah. to the future really yeah of course Lewis Wing on loan for Middlesbrough so I think hope yeah unfortunately I think Fingers maybe we can get next next again, year yeah. I think it's going to be quite an ask for him to be back at Hewish Park I think Middlesbrough you know if, if Middlesbrough have been watching the way he's been playing particularly not just his long range shooting but his passing ability and the way that he's been generally playing in recent weeks I would not put it past Lewis Wing 
if Middlesbrough are not promoted to the Premier League, having a role to play in their first team next year, I think he really has been impressive. But of course, it always goals. I mean, we're going to make the goal of a month competition that you overrun on their Twitter account. Very uh, competitive and um, stark contrast to one this month because those of you would have seen and I'm a big fan of this is that Yeovil only scored one goal in the whole month of March and so they've put up on their Twitter they've, they've still done their goal of a month competition but with four options all of which was Alex Fisher's goal at well, Colchester well, so um, I, I remember I think was it Chris Paz a season or two ago they did the same didn't they they only scored was it like Sacco's goal was the only yeah. one they scored all or month, and they just ran that clip four times. Yeah. Of course, to be fair, Yeovil hardly played last month, so they at least have, oh, yeah. an, have an excuse as to why they only. Scored. They do. They absolutely do. And um, I think you know this month is going to be much, much more difficult mm. because they've already scored eight goals, and at least you know three or four of them have been top draw. So it's going to be a real fight on their hands there, and I'm sure plenty of uh, banter and discussion in the dressing room as to who's going to get that come the end of the month. And of course, we've still got I think four games left in uh, this month as well. So. Um, or even five, actually, it might be. So uh, there's a lot of um, a lot of games to come and a lot of goals potentially out there to be scored. Um, I want to um, just talk about one downside of um, of Tuesday's game, and it is a real blow for Yeovil, which was the injury, of course, sustained by goalkeeper Stuart Nelson mm. in the first half. It's a, a wrist injury that he sustained, and the news coming out of Yeovil is not good. I think you know it's very, very unlikely that we will see Stuart Nelson playing again this season. And um, for those of you who have seen him and um, just watched his performances and just the general impact he's had on that Yeovil team since he came in in February, I mean, it's a real blow, isn't it, Ollie? Yeah, I totally agree. And I said to you, Stephen, earlier, I must apologise because I praised him to high heaven on the podcast last week. So I clearly jinxed it by uh, getting him injured in the in the next game. So apologies for that, Yeovil fans. But as you say, I think... There's a positive spin to put on this, which is that Johnny Madison, I think, is a, a capable keeper at League Two level. And he's got a fantastic character. You can tell that he's really raring to go and savouring every opportunity that he gets. So hopefully he can put in some decent performances from now until the end of the season. Now that we're at the stage when it doesn't matter too much because Yo will have virtually guaranteed their yeah. their safety. And we can be in a position where at the end of the season we have three fantastic goalkeepers to to choose from. That is a very good point. And of course, Madison is one of the 13 players under contract for next year. So his future, you know, he, he may not, he may have a contract for next year, but it's also a really good opportunity for him to show because, you know, if Krizyak and Nelson both are to contract, you know, Yeovil still have to persuade them to sign new deals. So there is a chance that Madison could be playing to, you know, in effect, make himself a number one next year. And if he produces some really good performances between now and the end of the season, he really does have that chance to cement that place. And um, I actually have to say about Johnny Madison, I've said it before, I think he was very unlucky in the first half of the season that he didn't get any football, particularly mm-hmm. in the Czech Trade Trophy. I think, you know, personally, he should have done. And when he did come in, in that game against um, Barnet, which was a crucial, crucial game, down the bottom of the table at that stage of the season, and he pulled off some tremendous saves. Yeah, it was probably the best goalkeeping display I've seen from a Yeovil keeper this season. So, you know, he has got good potential. But, uh, but Mike, of course, you know, when you've when when you are in Yeovil's position and you have somebody of Nelson's experience and know-how on the pitch there, of course, he started Tuesday's game as captain. Yeah. You know, it's not the stage of a season where you want to be losing those key experienced players. Well, no, of course not. I mean, if, again, experienced player. I'm, I, mean, I think he did really well in his um, self-off year with Tumbrey. I think he's been so quite a leader at the back, obviously given the uh, captain's armband uh, the, other, the other night. And I think he's, I think he's shown his leadership qualities really. And I think that you know, I think 
It's a bit of a shame that he's already he's, he's gone unfortunately, but it gives Madison uh, a run out really for the next few games really. Um, it will be interesting to see how um, the Nelson situation goes really because you know I'd personally like to keep him uh, for at least another season really and just really because I think for the games he's been in I think he's shown his worth and he's shown how he can uh, lead that defence and uh, be a safe pair of hands really. So. There's no doubt, I think Stuart Nelson will definitely, he will definitely be offered a new deal by Yeovil Town at the end of the season. It's whether he accepts that, which will be the key thing mm. to determine whether he stays or not. And also, potential interest may come in from elsewhere. Of course, he doesn't live in this area. He actually lives up in um, in Kent or Essex. He lives up on that end of the country. Mm. So, it's um, he has had to relocate a little bit, although he is from Stroud originally, so he does have family in this area. But, of course, that could be a key thing, you know, in determining whether he will stay or not. I think the, the, the interesting one, keeper-wise, is what happens with Arta Krizyak, because, you know, Krizyak is out for the season. You know, I think he, his injury means that he's not 100% certain to be fit for the start of next season. But, of course, you know, he, he is a... You know, at League Two level, he's a decent keeper. You know, he's produced some magical moments in his time there. So, you know, he could be the one there. And it's going to be an interesting juggling act to see how Darren Way juggles that situation because you've got a keeper there who, with Krizyak, you know, you know what you're going to get with Krizyak. You know he will, on the whole, do a decent job. But Nelson, I think, has come in and done a, just a little bit better than Krizyak has produced, particularly this season where we've seen a few errors from him. So that's going to be an interesting one. What I'm going to do is I'm going to sort of segue a little bit from Swindon because it was a good response to what was an altogether more disappointing afternoon last Saturday. And Ollie, you were at the game with me. And yes. um, I think the key thing there, I'm not going to dwell too much on the result because we all know what happened there. Mm. But I think the most disappointing thing from Yeovil's point of view was the fact that, you know, they don't have many experienced players. So to lose Ryan Dixon and Francois Yoko, who were two of their, you know, key experienced figures to red cards in the first half that really was disappointing to see absolutely it was uh, a disastrous first half really 3-0 down at half time and uh, down to nine men as well it's uh, not really what you want and it's no surprise that we're a team that has disciplinary problems when two of the most senior players in the team are getting themselves sent off quite quite stupidly and quite naively I think for the first red card, Ryan Dixon, it was given after he uh, felled Danny Hilton in the penalty box for the for the penalty. I think the referee probably could have given a yellow card for that incident and nobody would have um, complained too much. But by the letter of the law, Ryan Dixon did take a risk by, by doing what he did. Francois Ocos was, was just a little bit silly. And I think that one's the frustrating one because he, he really should know better. He's uh, a player who, who loves the club and he's a passionate player, which is why... The fans in turn love him, but he does need to just keep a lid on his uh, on his temper a little bit at times. I think the disappointing thing was Zoko's red card, and you know, and I, I I am a huge fan of Francois Zoko, the footballer, and you know, off the pitch, Absolutely. you know, he's one of the nicest yeah. people you could ever wish to meet. But there is something about him sometimes on the pitch he is prone to doing these silly things. I'm not sure. I mean, I actually saw the incident as it happened. I know the TV cameras didn't get it, but I was sort of looking at him as he did it. He goes behind Alan McCormack and tries to punch the ball. Yeah. He's, he said that he tried to punch it out of his hands and McCormack's gone down. And, you know, the way, the angle that I had, of, or the view I had, I wasn't 100% sure what he'd done. But again, it's it's silliness, really, yeah. because, you know, Alan McCormack, he's, being, he, he's trying to wind the oval up. You know, he's holding onto the ball. It's a bit of gamesmanship there. Your job as an experienced player, and particularly as somebody who's captaining the team, is just to ignore him because eventually he's going to have to give the ball back to you or he's going to get, he's going to get talk, yeah. spoken to by the referee himself. And really, it's one of those things where you just, yes, it, it, 
it's annoying. Yes, he he was winding them up, but you just don't react to it. Yeah, I think the the perfect word to sum up Luton there that you just used is gamesmanship. They were fantastic at getting under Yeovil's skin and also getting under the fans' skin as well. Mm. And that's what they thrive on. That's what they want. They want to unsettle their opposition. Well, one of the goals they celebrate for from the home fans, didn't they? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Danny Hilton, of course. You know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, just, I'm not gonna use words to describe Danny Hilton. Now, I think you could probably work out some of the ones I'm yeah. thinking from Yeovil fans' point of view. I think, um, it, I think it says a lot that Danny Hilton on a yellow card. Nathan Jones took him off to prevent him getting a second yellow card with 44 minutes on the clock. Nathan Jones wasn't even confident that Danny Hilton would last the final minute of the first half. I know. It's how a... much of a loose cannon Hilton can be. But he scored two goals and, and he's a fantastic striker. And as you say, it's the, the gamesmanship that, that helps Luton pick up wins. Of course, that's the reason why, you know, they're almost certain to go up into League One is that they have, they've got that. So they're, they're very streetwise as a team as well mm. as, you know, a good footballing team. And, um, I think we can safely say that you know Yeovil have been on the receiving end of that more yeah, than yeah. more than enough times in the last couple and of I, years. And I think to be fair, it is worth pointing out that the second half performance was solid from Yeovil. They they stayed resolute. They even had one chance on the break to to get a goal. But certainly at three three goals down at half time and with a two a two man disadvantage, you're sort of expecting another another eight two or something as disastrous as that. But it didn't come. Yeah, I think it's good. I think it's no doubt that Luton did take their foot off the gas a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think that's only um, only natural because, of course, they're in a promotion race. They'd, as good as won the game by then, they just needed to keep things calm. But, of course, the Oval could have collapsed and we've seen them collapse in those situations before and they didn't do that. So, so Mike, from, from a sort of, from a, I'd say from a mental point of view, mm. that was job done. And it, it, I think that that second half performance really did then help them going into Tuesday. Yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, we've talked a lot about um, Yeovil's running being against promotion contending teams. I think obviously Luton are way out there. There's no doubt they're going to get promoted. You just need enough two two wins to score their promotion effectively. Um, in terms of yeah, I mean, they I think they they played all right in the second half. Really, I think they just it was clear that Luton were you know you know put a little bit of handbrake on. They just just want to see the game on. And Yeovil were allowed to play a bit more of the football and it. And like, yeah, and they, they carried the good stuff from uh, that game to the the Swindon game. Obviously, minus the the red cards, but um, it's I think it's it's part of learning covering. And I think obviously we when you lose three nil, and it's not a very good game. You you got to somehow take some crumbs of comfort for it really. And obviously, if a game's done at half time, then you you got to, at the very least play the forty five minutes and see what you can get from it. But they've done really well, obviously to. Played away they did, obviously, from that game, and obviously taking it towards the uh, Swindon game. So, yeah. Of course, one player who was involved in both games um, was Bevis Mugabe. And um, it's been a very good week for... good. Sorry, not a good week. It's been a good month for Bevis Mugabe because he has enjoyed his first taste of international football with um, with Uganda. Of course, he was called up and he, um, he made his debut. He played in two games against um, Malawi and Sao Tome and Principe. Um, his first two, um, two caps for his country there. And um, yesterday, um, I spoke to Beris Mugabe about his international call-up and his hopes for a future as well. Um, it's really up there with one of the best, obviously being um, recognised as an international player now. Um, it's only going to do me the world of good. And obviously, the experience I went there just made all my family proud. And obviously, the fans out there were a bit crazy as well at the same time. I just think I'm just a kid, this guy that's coming from Yeovil Town. I never dreamed there was going to be that much of a buzz about it. But um, I enjoyed it a lot. And I can't wait to go back. 
Yeah, and of course the fact that you, you went there and you got to play in both games as well. I must make it extra sweet. The fact that you were called up and then you got to make your international debut and uh, in you know in front of uh, such a good home crowd. Yeah, obviously I didn't really know what I was going to expect. And to be honest with you, um, spoke to the manager there before the game. He just said, "Just go out there, just play with no pressure on you. Just go out there and enjoy it." And that's what I did. Enjoyed it a lot. And how, how glad are you that it all worked out this time? Because I know last time when you called up, um, a few things happened and you weren't able to go out there. So just how pleasing was it that everything, or that you were able to go and that it all went so well and that you got such a great experience from doing it? Yeah, it was good. Um, obviously before, there was a bit of a misunderstanding with the call-up and obviously this time it was a bit more smoother in um, that aspect. So um, I was just happy to have the gaffer allowed me to go out there and just hopefully play the games, which I did. And um, I'm only going get, to gain more experience from that. Yeah, and that time in an international setup, getting to play with new players, new teammates. How much have you learned from about those couple of weeks training with them and playing with them that you can now take back into your club form? Yeah, I've learned quite a lot. Obviously, playing with different players, different tactics that the um, the Uganda manager has. So it's all like adapting to different players, tactics, this and that. Other. So in that aspect, I'm only going to improve and improve more. Of course, if you're on a personal level, it's probably been a bit of a frustrating time the last couple of months with the injury that you had, but now you're back to fully um, fit and that you're back playing again. It must be really pleasing for you to be able to know that you've got a really good end of the season to look forward to. Yeah, of course, um, my injury kind of um, made me miss the Man United game and then I just had to get back to full fitness and obviously the boys have been doing well, so the players have just looked like deserved to play, so hopefully now I can just stay fit until the rest of the season and get as minutes as possible. So that was Bevis Mugabe there talking about his first two caps for um, for Uganda. And um, Ollie, it's uh, not very often that we have the luxury of saying, you know, as Yeovil Town fans, that we have international players playing at Hewish Park. And um, for Bevis Mugabe, I mean, what a great moment for him to get that recognition and called up to the Uganda team. Oh, absolutely. And I think you have to say he deserves it. He's one of the players who has come to Yeovil as, well, I think you could say he's come to Yeovil as a boy and now he's, he's a man. He's uh, developed really as a player both from the from the strength point of view, going from under-21s football with Southampton to coming to Yeovil and playing in, in League 2, which is a brutal league. You know, we'll see that on uh, tomorrow when Adebayo Akinfenwa comes to town. Oh, yes. But also from a, from a technical point of view, I think he's, he's a good player as well. And Yeovil are quite lucky that they have some very technical defenders at the club who are capable of playing the ball and capable of uh, you know using their feet well. And... I think Bevis is definitely one of those and it's fantastic to see him going over to Uganda and taking part in his national team and picking up more experiences because it's going to make him a, a better player. Of course, I, I think Bevis has been genuine and lucky, I think, at times in his Yeovil Town career as well. I think he, he's a very solid defender. He can play at centre-back and at right-back, but it's always seemed that just at the, sort of the wrong moment, he's either suffered injuries or he's um, been suspended and it's allowed other players in the squad in there to take uh, um, to take places in the team. A perfect example would be that centre-back spot because he was the go-to sort of reserve centre-back before um, before he suffered his hamstring injury in January. And um, since then, Nathan Smith was ruled out long-term and um, that allowed Sean Donnellan in. And of course, Sean Donnellan's been so impressive that it sort of left Bevis on the bench. And um, he's taken his chances with um, with Ditson's suspension and I thought he's played reasonably well in the two games that he's had since then. So hopefully, yeah. you know, fingers crossed, you know, this call-up and having that, you know, those last two games will really spur him on. And of course, he's one of the players under contract for next year. And I can really see Mugabe being one of those players who comes in next year and really, you know, comes on leaps and bounds and 
perform or becomes one of a you know a key figure in that Yeovil defence. Oh, yeah. Of course, yeah. I mean, it's a versatility as well. I mean, centre back and right back as well. I mean, there's, I think, um, especially lower down the leagues, I think you need a sort of versatile players. You know, if if your right back's out of action, you you, you can just rely on uh, old Bennett to uh, fill in on the right back if we're missing a centre back. You know, he can slot in, and I think that's the the charm of Bennett really, and I think that's it's why it's so important that you over time have a player like him really and uh, I've been quietly impressed by him yeah and of course and I, don't, I don't think he's put a foot many yeah. a foot wrong really this season yeah so. and of course versatility is a thing that you know that does run throughout that Yeovil Town team so many players who can play multiple oh, yeah. positions and when you haven't got the, the budgets that other teams had or certainly when they were in position earlier in the season where they were operating on a much tighter budget than they are now in light of the cup runs in the Manchester United game yeah. it really is key to have so many players in your squad that are oh, capable course, yeah. of playing yeah. in different and, positions and especially the fact that you know in these lower leagues that you play effectively two games a week you know, whether it be a uh, cup game or a league game on Tuesday, and then uh, league game on uh, a Saturday. You know, it's, it's you know it's important that you have that the versatility and obviously the big squad really just to help out in these games, right? So, yeah, I think it's time to take a trip down memory lane. What about you? Because um, yesterday was a bit of a milestone for uh, for Yeovil Town supporters. It marked 15 years since one of the key moments in their history. Since the day that they're their title win in the conference that secured their promotion to the Football League for the first time in their history was confirmed. I'm going to ha- put, throw a bit of trivia in there for you, and uh, you can you can guess this or you can Google it. You can cheat. I'm not going to check up on you. Don't worry. Is that Yeovil's promotion was confirmed because before their game at Doncaster, which they won handsomely that day, just to put the gloss on a on a fine win. I mean, it was confirmed because Chester, who were the only team that could have deprived them of the title at that point. Failed to win in the early kickoff that day, but which team did Chester fail to beat, which confirmed Yeovil Town's promotion to the Football League? We'll give you the answer at the end Ooh. of this podcast, but that's something for you to just have a little think about, sort of going forward for the next few minutes. But Ollie, I mean, as a Yeovil Town fan, I mean, you would have been a very young Yeovil Town fan at that point. I mean, just what a what a day that was in the wider aspect of Yeovil Town's history. Oh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, as you say, I was uh, I was six years old at the time, so I don't have particularly strong memories of it. But just being able to look back on the pictures and the footage of it, it's just it's such a magnificent achievement to for that side to have done what they did, and for Terry Skiverton and Darren Way and Lee Johnson to have all been involved in that uh, title-winning side as well. It's a real iconic moment, I think, in in Yeovil Town's history and. It really started what is has been the the glowing era of the club when, you, when they went from uh, and they had those Wembley trips and they went from uh, non-league side and had been in non-league for over a hundred years to being a, an established football league club. So I don't think you can underestimate how in, how important that day in Doncaster was. And there's a reason we still sing that song every time we we play Doncaster. Yeah, absolutely. I think you know, and you're you're absolutely right in that. You know, I think everything that you know was everything that's happened in the time since then can can all be traced back to that day and to that moment to a lesser extent maybe to the FA Trophy win of the year before as well but it was really that success that laid the foundations for everything that, that followed and um, it was obviously the first promotion that, that Gary Johnson achieved at the club so Really, you know, from from a Yeovil Town point of view, I mean, it, it is one of those moments that will be remembered, you know, probably for as long as the club exists. And it really, is uh, it was the moment that Yeovil Town made the big time, and it and it, it's always it's worth remembering that you know Yeovil would try for so many years to get into the league. You know, in the days mm. where there was no promotion, yeah. they'd applied multiple times and um, been unsuccessful. They'd had second place finishes, they'd had third place finishes in the conference, you know, and this was in the time before the playoffs came in. So it was only the league 
winners that went up at that point. I think the year Yeovil won it was actually the first year after the playoffs were introduced into yeah, the conference. Yeah, because Doncaster did, in fact, go up with them. Um, but it was like Yeovil at that point had virtually done everything they possibly could bar win the conference. Yeah. And so to, to finally get there, I mean, it's a fantastic moment. And of course, I, I think it's not just a key moment for a football club as well, but it was a real moment that helped to put the town on the map as well. Because I think for somebody, you know, from an outsider from Yeovil's point of view, and Mike is somebody who's moved to the area recently. Yeah. I mean, if you think Yeovil and you're not from the area, I guess one of the first things you do think of is the football club. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean, before I obviously joined Somerset Life, I, I knew about the football club, I knew uh, roughly where the area was because I was on the, the way down to uh, from Gloucester to Weymouth to see my, uh, my girlfriend and her family. And, uh, but I didn't know much about the town, but obviously Yeovil Town was the, the, was the one thing I knew about it, really. And uh, But it's, 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 not, it's an, in all fairness, it's a nice little club. I think it's nicely run, you know. I think there's passionate fans and it, it's clear that you know, some passionate people supporting the club as well, obviously, you know, internally and keeping it upright. And um, it's great to have, it was, it was, I mean, it was, that was why this season, it was so important that they stayed in the Football League. Because if you, you feared that, you know, if they went, if they dropped out, you know, that could have been, yeah, I that think, could have been I think the that's the thing, because I mean, the club in, worked yeah. so hard to get yeah. there. I mean, you know, the work that went on and also the fact that, you know, if you if you look at the team now, and I've got the team that, that played in that game, Doncaster up in front of me now and I mean it's, it's just you know the names roll off the tongue they're iconic Yeovil Town figures and they're, they're people that or players but even now when you look back at that you know you know who they are I mean you can say you've got Will, Skiverton, uh, McKindo, Lindegaard, Way, Johnson, Gavin Williams, Kevin Gould you know these are all players but even now you know are still so fondly spoken about as fans and players that really do have a place you know in, in the history of the club. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's really strange to to look back on that team and see how many of those players are in management now as well. Because obviously you got Darren and Skibbo had the job for a bit, and then Lee Johnson and Gavin Williams is at Merthyr as well. So there's a, an awful lot of those players who have moved on and uh, moved on to the next stage of their careers, but they'll always be. It really was for... a true team of leaders, isn't it? I think, oh, absolutely. I think, yeah. yeah, I think they're, they're... so many strong characters in there and strong personalities, and there was a real team spirit and I think the fans responded to that you mentioned how big it was not just for the club but for the town I think it was a real time when the ambition and the the positivity from the football club spread throughout the area and one of those moments where the entire town just came together something that you only really see now when we have sort of big cup ties and, and things like that so it's just you look back on it and you think of how much of an exciting time it would have been for the club at that point and hopefully we'll be able to replicate that in some way in, in the future. I think absolutely. I think, you know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of fans, you know, and I think there is understandable frustration around the club, particularly in the last couple of years. It's sort of what has happened, the way the club has stagnated. And I think a lot of that can be traced back to the fact that, you know, when Gary Johnson came in, you know, that team, you know, was so the success that they had was so good for such a long period of time. And, uh, you know, a lot of fans, you know, were... You know, they, on a week in, week out, we're watching that team and we're then watching the subsequent teams under Russell Slade and then um, when Gary Johnson came back and, you know, it was so much success. But really, you know, I think it then, I think it then compounds sort of a, for the, um, the effect of then dropping back down the leagues because you see just how good the work that the club did at that point was and just how good the achievements that they produced were. And then... It's almost over like that fear that you know that you're going to drop down the leagues and then potentially even drop back into non-league and almost undo all the good work that you did to get there in the first place. And it's really, um, 
it, it's really good to look back at that moment and see what happened and the success. But it's also, you know, it's also something there. And it, I think that's the key thing about having players like Darren Way and Terry Skiverton there who are still at the club. It's at least they, they know what it's like to produce success at the Oval. You know, they were there at that point. And so, you know, you, I think because you're there, I mean, as an element, you, you, you've seen the club be successful before and you, you want to see that happen again. But of yeah. course, it's much more difficult to sustain that amount of success over such a period of time when you consider where the club has come from. Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, you have to imagine there's not so much context and something like in play, obviously, in terms, in terms of uh, money, um, in terms of the right players, right scouting and the resources, really. I mean, you're over time, you know, I'm still relatively a small club. Um, but, you know, and you know, they've done well to stay in the Football League for so long, you know. Um, as much as people would uh, laugh at the three stars on the Overtime's badge, it still represents 15 years of achievement, I'd say. You know, 15 years that, you know, they've, they've, gone, from, they've gone to the conference, they've gone to championship, they've played some, you know, some extra Premier League teams, then since then come back down to League 2, be it, you know, they've had their time in the sun, but they still want to come back and maybe get back to those glory days, really. And I think it's important that... In terms of this season, we should end strong and then retain the same players, get some new players in, and then focus on promotion next season. Really, and really just growing the club and you know getting the fans back. Really, so I think one thing it's definitely worth looking at, and when you look at it in context of you know mm. how Yeovil have done since they won the the conference, is it's worth looking at actually the clubs that have won the conference since them, and you know or one or, or, or shortly before them, the the three winners of the conference before Yeovil are Kidderminster. Rushton and Diamonds and Boston United and of course the common denominator of all of them and Chester who won the conference the year after the Oval is that no, none of those clubs are, are in the Football League any longer well, and the, it's the, the, the first of you said they're, they're now defunct aren't they or they yeah. now have since then have uh, you yeah, know, I think uh, Boston had you know, severe financial problems Rushton of course are now defunct I mean you need to go um, a little bit further down and of course you've got Aldershot who again you know went back down to the conference yeah. it's, it's I, I think that, you know, once you get into the Football League, the hardest part is not always staying there because I think, you know, if, you, if you're if you a well-run conference club when you go up, you should have enough about you to stay in the Football League, particularly yeah, in the yeah, first yeah. couple of years. But it's doing it in a way that's sustainable and doesn't then put the financial future of the club in jeopardy. Yeah, but you can complain that, but you can say uh, something about Forest Green in that case. Because Forest Green, obviously, for many years ago, Dave Weiss, uh, Del Weiss, sorry, um, took up the club, pumped millions into the club, and it only took him last season for them to uh, really get promoted. They obviously got through the playoff finals, and they, but this season they've they've managed to just well, they're still in the relegation fight, but it's you know it's a question of you know if they stay up this season, can they continue being in the league, and can they build on yeah. it, and can they be um, you know a resourced uh, team that you know can. Stay in the division, really. And I think, obviously, if you compare Forest Green to the other team who came up last year, Lincoln, you know, the the two are vastly different. You've had Forest Green who have won promotion because they've thrown as they've much literally money thrown as money at it, yeah, and, uh, yeah. Eventually, um, you know, just by the law of averages, they finally won uh, one of their one of their playoff yeah, campaigns. I mean, and then yeah. you've got Lincoln, where the Cowley brothers have built up a side and they've got promoted on real merit, and there's a fantastic spirit and uh, yeah. atmosphere around that club at the moment and obviously you compare the two seasons I'd almost, I'd almost equate the feel good factor at Lincoln now to probably what the feel good factor was like at Yeovil oh, when yeah, they yeah. first went up into the league you can see yeah. the attendances have just completely you know, ballooned it's 
spiraled. You know, they're almost selling out Central Bank every week. You know, there's a real, real buzz around that place. And I think that's something you're only going to continue. Of course, they've got a very real chance of getting promoted again this season. And I think you, it does show that, you know, if, you, if, you're, a run, if you're a well-run club in a conference, mm. you know, you put all the right ingredients in place and you get into the Football League, just what you can achieve from doing that. And, and I do think I am optimistic for the future of Yeovil Town because we have... Uh, uh, we have a manager who has everybody singing from the same hymn sheet. The, they've stuck with him. They've put a lot of faith in him. And I think although he's not everybody's cup of tea and he's done a few things and made a few decisions that are uh, controversial or haven't gone down too well with the fans, I think mm. they've. Uh, I think there has been improvement since he took over. And you can tell that things are, are building up and things are developing year on year. And hopefully one day we'll be able to kick on to the next level Mm. We've seen the potential that the club has because we've been as high as the championship and we didn't look out of place in League One at all. So hopefully that will be the level we can we can play at some point in the future. Yeah. I think that's certainly a realistic aim, certainly in the next few years, to get yeah, back to that point. I think the championship is going to be very, very difficult to get to again because yeah. of just the, the, the level of that achievement was, you know, you cannot underestimate how good or how well Yeovil did to get there. It was just mm. simply unbelievable achievement to get the team yeah. on that budget up into the championship it's, it's remarkable up, it's up there with Leicester winning the Premier League in my opinion I'm just going to put that out there especially when you consider the years before that Yeovil had by no means came they didn't come close to challenging promotion they had the one year where they got to the playoff final in 2007 which again was another unbelievable achievement by Russell Slade to get them there but since then it was always very sort of middling to lower table finishes fighting mm. relegation and then to come from that to build a team that just shot straight up into the playoffs in one promotion that year was you know, it, it cannot be underestimated the job that Gary Johnson did. And I think he, he was named was LMA Manager of the Year. Yeah, that's right. He was And it was, you know, you can see exactly why. You know, it was such a good achievement that, that they pulled off. I'm going to take things away from the past and back to the present now because, of course, we are about 24 hours away from Yeovil kicking off against Wickham. And Ollie is probably the best dressed of the three of us in here today. <laughs> the most sort of managerial looking Man in, in, the, in, well, in, in the room. In other words, I, wish, I have a tie on. I wish you yes. could see the tie. It's very, very, uh, very smart, very dapper. But of course, it's the most managerial looking of the three of us, I'd say. <laughs> how do you stop Adebayo Fenwell? I'm going to put you on the spot now. Well, just because I have a tie, it doesn't mean I know how to stop Adebayo Fenwell. I'll say <laughs> that. But everybody knows what his strengths are. He is an absolute beast. And he's 35 years old now. And he's worked his entire career um, building on those, on those strengths for... A person of his age to have 18 goals still at this level and still performing week in, week out, even still getting in the starting 11 week in, week out is a, a fantastic achievement. But uh, Omar Swami earlier in the season did a fantastic job of keeping him under control. I think the the agility and the height of Omar sort of counteracted the, the strength from Bayo. So hopefully uh, that will that will happen again. I think another thing that I'd be sort of slightly wary about is the fact that some teams can get too focused on Bayak and Fenner and they can put so many men on him and all of the defensive tactics are just geared towards stopping him that they sort of let players like Craig Mikhail Smith, who hasn't uh, started regularly for Wickham, but if he does start on Saturday or comes off the bench, is still a real, real threat because we've seen him score a number of goals against Yeovil Town in the past and he's got that got that quality. They've also got going forward Paris Cowan Hall, who's in form at the moment, can play as a forward or a winger, and five of his eight goals have all come in the in the second half of the season. So there are other dangers there as well. And of course Scott Cashcut as well, another very good striker at this level. 
Um, I, I, I do agree with you. I think, you know, he, you can't afford to get too wrapped up in um, Akin Femmer. And of course, he has a reputation, you know, in, mm. in football. He's been a very, you know, been a strong man. He's the player where if you look at Wickham or you look at any team he's ever played for, as soon as you look on that, you think Akin Femmer. He becomes almost synonymous with the clubs that he's at at any given time. Can, but, we, can we mention the fact that, Yo, that he once played for Yeovil as well? He had a, a you, pre-season game before, just before he signed for Swansea. I really? Think. Yeah, I'm way back. I'm sure that's correct. Yeah. Way back. And of course, the other Yeovil link is at Swansea. He was teammates with one Darren Way as Absolutely, well. And of course, yeah. those two know each other very well. And Darren always speaks whenever he comes up against him of you know the time they played together and also what it what it takes to stop him. Because of course, if anybody is going to know how to stop him, it's going to be one of his former teammates. So, you know, that's something which Yeovil can potentially sort of looking to tap into and um, and just, you know, hopefully gain a minor advantage there. Of course, you, how much that will, you know, come into effect on the pitch, you, you never quite know. But, I mean, away from, away from Akinfenwa, because, of course, he is the key thing, and it, it, it is another big game for you, well, because they should be mathematically safe. Sorry, they should be safe. Mathematically, they've still got a few more points to get on the board before that's job done. So, from, from a Yeovil Town point of view, um, it, it really is another important game. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree, and it's a good opportunity to to get a result. Obviously, off the back of the two fantastic, really impressive results against similar uh, similarly placed teams, Coventry and Swindon, there's no reason why Yeovil can't go out and cause another shock. And uh, there's also that mentality of they want to put right the wrongs that happened during their last home game against Luton. Who knows? I think uh, although we were one nil down at the time of the first red card, if it hadn't have been for for uh, the numerical advantage that Luton had, we could maybe have even gone on and got something out of that game as well. So I think it's a, a good opportunity to keep the good run of form going, and especially at home where, where Yeovil have been strong this year. Yeah, and of course, it's worth remembering. I know Yeovil have lost their last three games at home in all, in all competitions, but if you look back to the start of the season, then of course, Yeovil have beaten Accrington, who yeah, look like they're going to yeah. win the league at Hewish Park. They've beaten Coventry home and away. They've beaten Exeter very impressively at Hewish Park, possibly yeah, the it, best home performance of the season there. So if, if you look at they've beaten those teams, why not Wickham? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you say it's, it's not just the wins, it's the manner of the wins. We haven't just beaten them by accident, by the odd goal or anything. We've actually dominated against them and put in a really good all-round performance, both defensively and, and going forward. And as you say, there's no reason why that can't happen at the weekend. Yeah, and of course, Mike, uh, Wickham, they, they're on a good run of form there. Obviously, third, they're in the final automatic promotion spot in League in League Two. So they're going to they're gonna need to come to Yeovil and attack if they want to stay in that third place. And of course, that's something yeah. where, you know, yes, Wickham are likely going to have to come to Hewish Park and really, you know, take the game to Yeovil. But in turn, that opens up opportunities that, that Yeovil can then use to create chances of their own. Yeah, of course, I think it's getting to the business end of the season where if basically, you know, if you, if you don't win a game in your chasing promotion, it's... Also, bad as a loss, really, and I think Wickham obviously they are two points ahead of uh, Exeter and fourth, so they do need to keep winning these games really to just uh, uh, obviously stay in the promotion race. I think that Yeovil can obviously exploit that really. I think that Wickham will have plenty of chances. I have no doubt they'll probably score, but they they will probably have laps in concentration, someone's nipping and then uh, get an equaliser or something for Yeovil Town, and I think. We just need to play on their nervousness and their tension, really, and make sure um, we can, at the very least, get a point for ourselves, really, and just see how we can do it, yeah. And, of course, Yeovil and Wickham, when they've played in the past, they've generally been very, very tight games. Uh, Yeovil were quite unlucky not to get anything from the game up at Adams Park in November. Mm. It was a 2-1 winter. Wickham, but, you know, Yeovil played pretty well throughout. They um, they missed a very good chance 
late on that would have um, would have gotten them a two-all draw. And of course, last year they got a one-all draw at Adams Park and beat them at Hewish Park. So you know, there's one thing about about Yeovil when when they come up against Wickham and when Darren Way comes up against Gareth Ainsworth. There's no, yeah. generally not too much in it. Yeah, well, we we were having a discussion earlier about how much we admire Gareth Ainsworth and and the work that he's doing at Wickham, and it's no surprise to see that Darren or to hear that Darren Way is using him as, as inspiration as to what he wants to achieve at Yeovil. Um, I think it will be a really good game between two two good sides who will both really want to win. I think Gareth Ainsworth, I think he's absolutely right. I think he is the blueprint of an ideal manager in, in League Two or, he's, or he's, he's somebody who you should, you know, should be looking up to as a, as a you know, to, and shows just what sticking with a manager for and giving him time to implement his ideas can do. Of course, it doesn't always work and sometimes, you know, over time it becomes apparent that, you know, things don't fit. But if it's somebody like Gareth Ainsworth, who's a former Wickham player who got that role as manager while he was still playing you know it took him a bit of time to find his feet he, you know he, he almost went down in his first full season there of course the year where Bristol Rovers um, were relegated they only just stayed up at Bristol Rovers expense but then the following year he got them to a playoff final which they were very very unlucky to lose and it's been you know, a couple of years where they've sort of struggled to make the playoffs but they've been very consistent and very solid and now you know he's put the foundations in place he's got players like Akin Fenwell like Mikhail Smith like Cowan Hall in there and now they're making a real real stab at promotion I'm going to um, I'm going to quickly before we've still got time I'm going to throw open to both of you what are your predictions for, for tomorrow's game? Well, I've really put more spot here. I think it'll probably be... I think both teams, both teams will score. I'll, put, I'll say that at the very least. Right, mm. We're not putting an acro on here, mate. You know, we've got <laughs> well, to, we've got to... well, I'm just going for the most score better count right to, now. We, we need to score from you, Mike. 2-2. Oh, 2-2. Oh, I agree with Mike. I think both teams are going to score. I think it'll be a nice open game. And I think... Yeovil will win 2-1, being my oh. usual optimistic self. I, I think, I, I agree with both of you, I think there will be uh, both teams to score, and as Mike take, took my uh, prediction, you know, I don't want to be uh, seen to be uh, be copying my uh, pundits here, so I'm going to say 1-0, I think it's going to be a you know, it's gonna be You're allowed to agree game. with me, by the way, don't worry. Yeah. But I agree <laughs> with you in terms of it will be a draw. <laughs> all right. Okay, so that's almost all we have time for, but of course, as, as I promised you, we do have a trivia answer to give you. We asked ah. you beforehand when Yeovil won the conference at Doncaster they did so because Chester had failed to win in the early kickoff of the day the team that they the team that they failed to beat was Woking that's who it was and it was a never two never would have guessed, guessed that one I could have probably like Kettering or something yeah Woking it was a two-all draw that, that meant Chester failed to beat them and meant that they failed to um, to keep the title race alive for before Yeovil were played and of course Yeovil fairly immaterial because they went Doncaster and won 4-0 in what will count as one of the best days of their history so we're going to leave that on a very good note and all I'm going to say is thank you to Mike and thank you to Ollie and um, we will be bringing you all of the updates from the Wickham game live on the Somerset Live website so if you go to www.somersetlive.co.uk forward slash sport we'll be bringing you all the action as it happens throughout the afternoon and all of the reaction to it as well and of course if you enjoy this podcast and you want to subscribe and you want to hear our thoughts more often then of course you can always subscribe using iTunes or Audio Boom. So thank you very much for tuning in and we will see you again soon. Tele2, de Huawei P20. Omdat het kan. Voor een genadeloos lage prijs. Check tele2.nl voor de beste deal voor jou. Niet omdat het moet, maar omdat het kan.